Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Girls Pod Channel. I'm Stacey June. Oh, I'm very gassy, but oh, I'm Christy. Thank you God. didn't give me any warning. Like I didn't. I knew the microphones were on, but I didn't know you were ready to go that second. Just a quick, you know, flick of the eyes would be much appreciated next time. Well, sorry, but we've been sitting here for an hour procrastinating to do this intro. Hello, this is the Thinker Girls Pod Channel. As I said, where we <laughs> drop all kinds of random things about our lives, your lives and our guest lives. Today is an episode about a guest. It is. Yeah, we love to have chats with lots of different lots of different people, lots of different women. Soon it will be blokes too, inviting them to the party. I mean, why wouldn't you? That's different. It's exciting. It's new. Because yeah, sure. this has been like, if you go back through oldie apps, there's literally six years worth of pretty amazing, intriguing conversations with um uh, inspiring women, funny women, smart women. Claudia Carvin, Celeste Barber, Tanya Hennessy, Melissa Ambrosini. Uh, Jessica Melboy. Um, that's all I got. That is, your, that is the <laughs> one thing. I can't. Michelle Bridges, um, Jess Harris. Yep. I can't think. You yeah, know what I'm well, like? Lots off the of top good of my head. Like, lots of good people. And today, Yelena Dokic. Yes. Um, former world number four tennis player. She's now a best selling author, motivational speaker, and a sports commentator. Um, I reckon, I don't know. It's She's one of those people that you feel like, and you said this in the podcast, you feel like you've grown up with her mm. because she's around. She's a, a couple of years older than me, but. Um, similar age to you and you feel like she's one of the people, just like the people that you watch on Home and Away or Neighbours or whatever, that you feel like they're just on the telly set in your living room as you're a kid of around the same age. Unfortunately for Yelena though, we were watching her on the news scared because behind her tennis career remained a very big mystery, which is now has been, I guess, uh, aired in the public eye through her latest book, Unbreakable about her father and the abuse that he gave her from the age of about six, I think Mm. it goes back to. Um, We talked to her about that, but the focus of the chat is really about what she's going to do with the tools that she's learned from having suicidal thoughts, from being in deep depression, from, you know, being forced mid her tennis career trying to become an elite sportsman in this country to being forced to go and play for another country that she's barely lived in, what it feels like to be a refugee. And then she also breaks down a few things about tennis for us, you know, what it's like to be in that culture. Well, some of us people are into tennis. Oh, yeah, they are. I'm Yeah, and you are. Well, no, not Ish. particularly. Ish. I am interested in learning, though. You're interested enough to ask the question. That's right. Um, Yelena Dokic, um, yeah, well, I think – what I found most inspiring is that I was inspired by this chat. It, although for experiencing something pretty dark and full on, she's kind of, you can hear it in her voice, she's full of hope and excitement for the future. And that hope and excitement is really a recent thing 
if you, you know, it was probably a three or four year thing. So we hope you enjoy it. We hope you get uh, get something out of it. And if you do, please let us know. Let her know. She's really active on her Instagram. Um, and that is at docic underscore Elena. And I'm sure she would love to hear that you listen to the show. Enjoy. Elena Dockick, welcome to the Thinker Girls Pod channel. Uh, thank you for having me. Oh, we're bloody glad you're here. <laughs> I feel like we need to be honest. We've interviewed Elena, and in the very early stages of setting up our home studio, we lost the audio. <laughs> what was your what, what was your reaction, Elena? We're all friends here, obviously, because this is 2.0, as I just said circa three seconds ago. How did you feel when it was like, hey, babes, you know that really in-depth hour and a half chat that you had? Yeah, that's all gone. Can we reschedule? Oh, that's okay. Look, I'm. Uh, it happened first of all and um, yeah look I'm happy to have a chat I've been um, doing this for a long time and now especially with my book that's been out for you know almost six months I've done a lot of interviews and a lot of things so it's okay it's just another chat and and I'm happy to talk so um, yeah and you guys make it fun too so it's okay to do it again (laughs) okay thank you we are grateful for that Yelena it's been a little bit since you released the book which was was at the end of last year. Yes, in November. Unbreakable. It's done. Pre- it's done awesome. We've been seeing it all around online. Incredibly well. Could you tell us? I guess the most common question you've asked in regards to having conversations and interviews about the book. Oh, uh, look. There's been um, obviously a lot of um, reaction to this book. Um, I, I think. Uh, I was extremely open and honest in in the book about everything that I went through, uh, which is a lot. But obviously, the main thing that people are talking about um, is the abuse uh, that I went through with um, with my father. So all the physical, emotional, verbal abuse from the age of six for I think almost 25 years. So um, yeah, people are talking about that the most. But there's a there's a lot to my story and a lot to this book from you know being a refugee twice and and going through a lot of different other things like the war is well um, I was also bullied as well at, uh, at school and, and faced you know some racism and discrimination and, and also you know a, a really important and big topic um, you know I almost committed suicide as well um, at one stage and battled really bad depression for for almost 10 years so people have been talking about all of these subjects and, and asking a lot of questions um, but that, that's fine it's been great because that's what that's what I wanted that that's what the book was about Yelena is there part of you that has to almost disconnect from um, from what you actually went through because obviously it, it is a part of you and it shaped you and you've you know gone through the process of writing the book and being super brave in terms of you know being really open and vulnerable and honest about about your journey and what's happened but as you said you've had so many conversations probably hundreds of conversations about this stuff now is there part of you that is able to kind of go out of body a little bit and be able to speak about it as if it didn't really happen to be able to protect yourself a bit oh look I think that's a bit a bit hard because um, I've gone through so much and and um, I don't think you can just forget it or you can just disconnect to be honest but um, for me the thing is I'm okay to talk about it like I'm okay to talk about these things um, and I was even on my book tour I always told everyone including these interviews in the media and like no question is of off limit and that's what this is about that's what my book is about um, if I wanted to you know not talk about certain things or not write about certain things I wouldn't have done this 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 was the the, the reason I did this so um, yeah look I even even sometimes when I do some of these interviews as as good as I am now about everything and I've kind of um, uh, gone through a bit of a I think transformation myself because I battled with all of these things for a very long time 
um, at, at the same time, you know, I still get maybe a little bit emotional sometimes when I answer some of these questions because, look, it's hard. Some of these things are hard when you have to talk about, you know, all this abuse, for example, that you've gone through and, and almost pretty much reliving or remembering all of these things again. But as I said, it's a much bigger goal. There's a lot more to it than that because I think I really can help people. Um, I've gone through this. I've also got a platform where I can, um, I have a, I have a much bigger voice, let's say, than maybe someone that hasn't been in the public eye. And I want to use that and, and try and help people. Yeah, we, we really want to chat to you about that. I guess that approach that you have, this really beautiful energy that a lot of the country picked up toward the end of last year and early this year, which was this, I'm kind of taking control of this story and I'm, I'm looking forward. And you ooze that energy. You know, the second time we've spoken to you, there's this real kind of empowerment but as you said, you had horrific abuse for the majority of your life from your father. You've had suicidal thoughts. You've been through deep depression. And you've just spoken about that, I guess, the transformative moment. And also the fact that ourselves and our listeners can hear it in your voice, that you have obviously done a lot of work to get to that point of where you are. But was there a moment in any of those darker places where you did have the shift, where you consciously knew that there was an event that was going to change your life? Or that you knew after this, something will have to shift, whether you knew it was a bad moment or a, a good one? Oh, look, I don't think it was just one moment. I think, obviously, um, you do a lot of work and you try to get out of this, especially um, after I, as you said, almost almost um, committed suicide. And, and look, I've worked very hard on myself and on kind of accepting to certain things, moving on. Um, I, look, I suffered a lot also, I think, publicly. I, I suffered with the fact that I think people never really knew who I was as a person, as a player. A lot of the things that my father was doing and all these outbursts and, and all of these things which we know was well documented kind of almost um, for people um, it defined who I was and it, that, this was hard to take because mm -hmm. this actually wasn't me and I completely um, was the opposite of what he was and didn't agree with any of the things that he was doing and, and I did leave home when I was 19 years old but I'm not sure a lot of people realized that because it was always uh, you know, all this talk about him, him and him. And I don't think people actually realized that I distanced myself from that, that I didn't agree with what he was doing. And this was hard to take. So um, for me, um, I, I had to take control of the situation, I think of my own life in general and say, okay, enough's enough. I'm going to move, you know, forward and away from, from this, from him. And, and when was that? You might have obviously over a long period of time with a lot of awful things that have come up and been thrown your way. There's been so many. I, do, I certainly don't mean to simplify that. But when you say you realized you needed that to own your story, what was that point in your life? What was going on? Um, well, the, for me, it was probably somewhere around after I turned 30, so I'm 34 now, and um, I realized, you know, um, life goes on. Um, I was starting to be at the end of my, my tennis career, and um, a lot of other things were kind of starting to happen in my life. I got, I did get this opportunity already then to write a book and, and certain things, um, but I realized, you know what, I've lived this way for a very long time, and I've suffered a lot, and it's time to, to move on and actually you know spend the energy on people that are around you that love you and that have your best interest at heart because I tried for a very long time to still reconcile with my father I tried to kind of 
um, get him to see certain things and see my point of view and maybe say sorry and um, just have a normal relationship and I tried this over a period of almost 15 years and, and it didn't didn't happen he just doesn't feel like he did anything wrong there's no remorse there he can't say sorry and then you know after one of the the last times that I actually went to, to try and talk to him I realized you know what that's it I've done it I've tried everything I can I'm moving on from this and you know I'm gonna be happy now for this you know second part of my life it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Talk to us about, I just want to um, go back to what you were just saying there about, you know, this trying over a period of 15 years to try and reconcile, have some kind of relationship with your dad. And I think you hear a lot of, you know, victims of, you know, abuse or people that have gone through awful stuff or, you know, other victims of crime have this almost um, sense of freedom through acceptance of who the person is and what they did. Was there part of you through the work that you've had to do on yourself and through therapy and other bits and pieces where, because it sounds like there's an element of you accepting your dad, not saying that you at all condone or accept his behaviour, but accepting the relationship that you guys have and accepting him as a person so that then you can move on? Yeah, look, I certainly don't agree with what he's done, the way that he is, and the, the, I don't accept the things that he's done to me and um, even publicly. But, yeah, I think you, you can't change someone. I think that's what you get to the point of where you realise, you know, you can't force someone to, to change and, and, you know, I can't force him to, to, to be to, to, to say sorry to me if, he, if that's not what he wants to do and that's not what he feels. So, yeah, absolutely you get to a point where, yeah, you have to accept that that's who they are. Um, doesn't mean they have to be in your life. Um, but you have to accept who they are and, and move on, yeah. So you've just said, what's your partner's name, sorry? Tim. You've said that you've been with him for 15 years and that's another part of the picture that we never really got. You know, there were just all these headlines obviously people would click on because there was such a mystery in your family. But tell us about your partner and tell us about what you have with him and, and what I suppose you're most grateful for in that relationship. 
Oh, look, I think I got really, to be honest with you, lucky. We've been together for 15 years. And um, yeah, it's only, I think, the, it's only the second relationship I was ever in. Um, and we've been together ever since. Never, you know, I'm not sure we ever even had a proper fight. I don't know. We just, we're, we're, um, we're the same. We just fit together so well. And um, yeah, look, he's been with me through literally everything. And um you know, even at the beginning, my father made things very difficult for us, but we got through it. And and look, he sees always, um, you know, the positive side to everything. And, and, and um, you know, he always, you know, thinks so much of me and has so much um, belief and confidence in me where, you know, at times I had none. And um, I just don't know, you know, where he, where he got that. I could never understand that. But he always believes in me and thinks I'm, you know, the best um, thing ever and the best at everything. So, yeah, I think I've been lucky. Yeah, I think I've been very lucky. <laughs> yeah, so it is. Beautiful. It, it really does. And- yeah, because people so associate, you know, the daddy issues that directly affect relationships. So it is an interesting story for somebody who has probably the worst daddy issues, in inverted commas, as someone could possibly have that has ended up in this beautiful relationship. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because people have asked me, oh, how do you feel about men um, in all of these, some of these, well, not all of them, but some of these interviews that I've done as well. And it's like, well, I actually don't have any bad feelings towards men. Doesn't mean because I had the situation that I had and, and I had one that treated me bad. Doesn't mean I, you know, I don't know. That doesn't mean that I hate men. Not not at all. I think it's... Uh, do you reckon, Elena, in a way it, it can almost, your bad experience with men and, and in your case that um, relationship yeah. with your father, with a man, that that can sometimes do the opposite? Like you, all of the things and all of the good qualities in your partner now are all of the things that maybe you weren't able to find in yeah, your Yeah, absolutely. But look, I think also there are, like you said, people that go the other way and still have partners that that are very similar to what um, I think their dads were. And I've come across people like that. I've spoken to them about it. Um, and they've, they've said to me, look, I've uh, had a similar like situation like you, but and I've also had partners that were abusive and I've struggled with it for 15 or 20 years, you know? So I think it goes, but it just depends. I think it can be one or the other. How do, you, how do you try and rebuild that? Because I, I would imagine your self-worth would be pretty rocked. From the time that you're a kid, you've got somebody feeding you this constant kind of, you know, negative. Well, the press have said that you're a slut at 10, you know, just to give our listeners an idea. I don't want to be a, a shocking here. I want to say that not because I want to trigger you, but I want people to know the kinds of things you've overcome too. It's full on. So then how, Yelena, I know you've said you've done a lot of work and you, you know, you, you've searched for this kind of the opposite, this loving calmness within yourself and within your, your relationship with your man, Tim. But I mean, that must, that must have been quite a, a difficult thing to be able to overcome your, your idea of the way that you think about yourself. Yeah, look, I struggled with confidence and self-esteem for a very long time. Um, it's something that, you know, that when, when you're in that type of relationship, when they make you feel... Uh, or when when you're in an abusive uh, relationship, they make you feel worthless. You know, um, they make you feel like you're you're nothing, and you, and they make you feel like you can't do anything, especially without them. So this is what I struggled with, and I struggled with my confidence and self-esteem, and and obviously my partner's helped me with this a lot, as I said, because he always has this huge belief in me and my qualities and everything that I'm able to do. He thinks I can do absolutely anything, and I actually have found that especially in the last few years, I actually am good at all of these different things, but I I didn't believe it for a very long time Mm. because I I always, you know, thought 
pretty much the worst of myself because that's the way that my father was always talking and he made me feel that way, especially when you're struggling with depression um, as well. This is one of the big things. Your confidence and self-esteem and self-worth is so low. It's all, some people never get it back for the, for, for the rest of their lives. So um, I think, again, I would credit my partner for this because he's helped me get out of, uh, out of that space and out of that thinking. It's quite interesting because so many people that are listening that contact us have these real dark pockets and it's just always a nice thing. Podcasting is so interesting because you hear interviews and we have them, we host them, but it's still such an incredible thing to hear human experiences come back and be able to revive yourself the way you have. It is really remarkable to listen to, to be honest. And I want to talk about tennis now. <laughs> so this is bizarre because we ain't no sports show. We ain't no sportos, Elena. <laughs> um, but I wanted to ask you about your opinion. And I know this might be a bit biased because you are an elite sports person and you were a person that obviously found a lot from sport. But it's interesting with all of this cricket hoo-ha and a lot of the conversation about how much pressure and what kind of a conversation can we have around sport in this country and what the focus is. I grew up in a family where if you're winning in sport or if you're kind of dominating in sport, the hierarchy in our family means you are basically right at the top if you're one of those people. Sport means a lot and it does in a lot of Australian families and I think in our culture. What's your take on that? What do you think of the pros of the pros and cons of of having that emphasis in our culture and in our family life? Look, I think um, there's a lot of pressure, I think, on people that are in the public eye in general. Um I think it's um, it's difficult because there's, we're under so much pressure and scrutiny and, and you know, everyone's always going to have an opinion um, as, as sports people as well, but only because I think people really want us to do well, you know. I think Australians, they want us to do well. They want they, they want to see us win and I, I don't think it, you know, sometimes when they – um, when there is a bit of pressure, I don't think it comes from a bad place, you know, because I've played at the Australian Open so many times and, um, you know, I had that unfortunate um, uh, uh, period where my father made me play for another country. When I left home, I came back and played for Australia again and had to rebuild that relationship and something that he ruined and, and pretty much forced me to, 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 to leave Australia. But I, what I found, for example, was that you know, Australians are forgiving. They're going to give you another another chance and they want to see you do well. And, you know, I, I came back a month before the Australian Open and my first match back at the Australian Open, I had the, the best crowd and the best support playing for Australia again, you know. So I don't think it comes from a bad place. Yes, there's pressure, but I think we as sports people, I think we deal with pressure every day, whether, you know, that's in our own country or, or somewhere else. Um, I don't think it comes from a bad place. I think Australians know how to support their sports people. I want to know, Elena, on tennis, through that through that period of, you know, abuse and this kind of, you know, with your dad, as you say, literally forcing you to go and play for another country, I'm interested to know your relationship and the way you felt about tennis at that time because I think you could either go one of two ways, right, where it's like tennis, and I know you've spoken about in the book and other bits and pieces I've read, that the tennis court was your home, it was a bit of a, a sanctuary for you. But when you've got an abuser, an abusive person in your life, and in your case it was your dad, forcing you to, to play, 
I mean, was there part of you that resented it? Uh, no, I don't think I resented tennis. Um, I always, that's the thing though. I love tennis. I loved it from, you know, when I was little, even though I was going through all this um, abuse and difficult times, pretty much because of tennis. But no, I loved it. I always have. Um, actually, in fact, I was actually more disappointed with the fact that I had to go through these difficult moments because I couldn't 100% obviously perform on the court and, and give it 100% because all of these things were going on behind the scenes and, and, and off the court. So, in fact, no, I was more actually sad um, because I couldn't um, commit 100% to tennis and I never resented tennis at all. Um, obviously, I, I was very um, hurt and angry and disappointed and probably resented my father for it, but but not tennis. So, no, I absolutely, mm. yeah, absolutely not. Mm. I was that your escape? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Even even the times where I couldn't obviously compete to the best of my ability and I had losses and I was I was actually on tour trying to play when I was battling depression, which is literally mission impossible. But um I still still mm. know, you know, you might lose matches and I would be disappointed, but not not that I would not love tennis, not at all, because I would actually really want to go out there and still train and compete. Yeah. I want to ask you about the transition because you hear this you hear this story a lot with elite sports people where they've literally from such a young age and for you like you were in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon at 16. So this has been, you know, tennis has been your life for a really long time. What was that what was that like to go from such a, a an intense stringent structure and routine around your training, your tournaments, your travel, your games? to then having to kind of build that yourself because I even know that this year going from having the radio show and this is obviously a very a much smaller scale but I've really bloody struggled with being um uh, being accountable and responsible for creating my own sense of routine and familiarity day to day week to week I mean on you is a, is a much more extreme case of that but a did you struggle with that coming out of playing professional tennis and B, how did you find your sense of routine? Did you have to make that for yourself? Um, yeah, look, it's very dif different uh, when you finish, I think, especially professional sport and athletes. We live this life that, to be honest with you, is so not realistic. We live in this bubble, I think, where, you know, you train for so many hours a day, you compete, you play, you are under all these different kinds of pressures. Um, we, we travel, um, pretty much the whole year um, we compete for 10 or 11 months of the year we every week we're on a plane in a different hotel so it's very unrealistic this is not real life so I think once you come out of it um, it's a shock it really it's a shock and a lot of people a lot of athletes struggle once they come out of professional sport um, and you find, I think people struggle with finding what to do. They struggle with what they do with their time. Um, you know, everything is gone because you're used to all this attention being on you. So the the managers are gone. The the crowd is gone. You're not playing in front of thousands and thousands of people every day. It's things like this, and it's a it's a battle. But for me, um, I struggled maybe the first 12 months, 18 months maybe, and uh, I was lucky I think because I found pretty quickly things that I like to do and I'm actually quite good at. So I think I've been lucky um, that I got to try, you know, straight away I got into the TV, commentary, media, um, you know, obviously 
the book took a little bit of time as well, which was a big project and, and um, you know, getting into motivational speaking. So I think I've been lucky because I think I've got a platform, I've got a story, you know, I've got things to do. Um, and I'm quite good at, at everything that kind of involves tennis, the, the analysis, the, the coaching, the commentary. So for me, it's been good. But yes, I do know firsthand that a lot of athletes do struggle. If you were to, to close your eyes and have a bit of a, a daydream about what the next decade looks like or the, the rest of your 30s even, what comes to mind? What's what's in your vision? Oh, look, a lot of things come to mind. I mean, I didn't know even six months ago that I would be here now, that this book would bring me so much and, and so much joy and happiness and so many opportunities. So I think it's hard to say. Um, I want to continue my TV work for sure. I want to do a lot more with um, with my life story in my book. We'll, you know, seeing where else I can take it, and and um, with my charity as well. I really want to um, start my own foundation and and really build on that. Um, there are a lot of things I would like to do, and um, you know, I would still. Um, see how involved I can be in tennis so look I think it's hard to know where I'll be in 10 years um, I've got a lot of goals um, and one of those definitely is a family as well at some stage so yeah we'll see where I am but um, I would love to obviously have kids in 10 years time have a family um, and and do you know work that I that I love to do and hopefully I can combine both of those things. Sounds like you're on the bloody right track though. Yeah I think I'm on a pretty good um, space also right now where I am and, uh, and I'm working hard for, for the future. Um, I don't mean just, you know, work, but myself, you know, um, mm. and being happy. You can hear yeah. it. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, Elena, we're going to finish up this chat right now because um, we want to just save some time for you and hope that you'll stick around and answer a question from Sarah, one of our posse members for tomorrow's show. She has a question about confidence and how at the moment she feels like she's lost some of hers. And I think that it would be a really great opportunity to get your thoughts as well as ours to help her out, particularly on the things you were speaking about, how you had to overcome some pretty hardcore tests in that department. Do you reckon you could stick around and we could help Sarah out on the Posse podcast tomorrow? Absolutely. Everything happens for a reason, <laughs> Elena. So maybe that, you know, the tech issue was supposed yeah. to happen. Well, I'm having fun either. <laughs> I'm having fun either way, so I'm happy. <laughs> if you do want to check out Elena, follow her story and keep up to date with what she's doing in the media and particularly with the charity, support some pretty incredible stuff that I'm sure you're about to endeavor on. You can follow her at Dokic, D-O-K-I-C underscore Elena, J-E-L-E-N-A. But for now, uh, we thank you so much. Thanks, Chicky. regulars on sunrise yeah girl it's the best and we bring you guys along with us our posse every single week just by joining our insta story yes from the taxi ride there to the makeup chair and selfies with other amazing talented sunrise guests we share it all yeah make sure you head to the thinker girls on insta and check out the updates every single tuesday and wednesday we'll catch you there If there's something in this episode that has made you uncomfortable, please know that there are people to support you at any time of the day or night. You can contact Lifeline 13 11 14. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.